0: Welcome to Cycle Breakers and Moneymakers, a podcast for women of color and first gen who are breaking generational cycles and glass ceilings by going places no one before them has ever gone. I'm your host, leadership coach and eldest daughter of immigrants, Mariella Delamora. I left a 16-year marketing career To create a multiple six-figure-a-year coaching business as a single mom. Each week, you'll learn how to build unshakable self-trust, become in demand, lead with confidence, and make more money by being more of who you are. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to bring you today's episode because it is so, so, so pivotal in growing a business as anyone really, but I'd say especially if you are a woman of color, a daughter of immigrants, a parent, anyone who has a relationship with money that has felt very unsure or uncertain. There are so 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 many lessons here and I'm going to be walking you through my own process, my own journey in this, not just myself as a CEO, but just in like what I've seen in peers, in friends, in clients and how significant, you know, our relationship with money really plays in when it comes to growing our businesses. Growing a business means healing your sense of safety with money. Your past with money, your present relationship with money, your belief in creating it. it requires shifting your sense of safety from other people control how much money I can have to I can control it because I know what creates it, and I will just share I have gotten coached on my money safety more than anything this year. My wealth coach, Gina Knox <laughs> knows this very well, and I'll share a little bit about what that looked like this year, so. In this episode, I am going to share my own money story, pivotal moments in my business and in my life where money safety was challenged and how I worked through it. And I'll share a little bit about what my life and my circumstances were like at the time, because you may see yourself in one of those circumstances. And I'm going to cover the steps that I follow to anchor myself back into safety and continue to give myself and my business what it needs instead of like reactively cutting. Let's dive in because there's so much to cover that I'm really excited to share with you. To start with like my own money story growing up, I'm the eldest daughter of immigrants. My parents immigrated from Mexico and in being the eldest, it meant that I was very close to my family's immigration story. I heard so much about how they grew up being in poverty, one of 11 children. My mom was one of seven children and like them just not having enough. So much of that, even once they had a house was like, we don't have money. We don't have money. And that money was meant to be spent on essentials and not anything else. And that you needed to save money above all. And I just remember hearing them actively worry about money so much so that as a child, I saved my money. Like kids want to usually want to spend money on dumb stuff or whatever they want, right? Like that's what kids are supposed to do. But I used to get a dollar a week as allowance. (laughs) So this is like, you know, the late eighties, nineties. So I got like a dollar a week. Until my baby sister was born. I have two younger sisters. And when I started helping to take care of her, they upped it to like $5 a week. So you can imagine it took me a long time, but like I saved my birthday money. I would do extra chores, all this, and I would save it all to the extent that like when I was like 14 or something, I needed a computer for school because like back then you had to like stay in the computer lab if you wanted to type papers and. Teachers started to like ask you to type papers, but most people didn't have a computer in their house in like the mid 90s. And so I remember telling my parents, I have $525 that I saved in my little piggy bank to help you buy this computer. And they took it. They were like, okay, we don't have money, we need it. And so I saved my money for like my whole childhood. I was like so responsible with saving my money in a way that a child really shouldn't be. I've really had to anchor back into that. That it's like I'm really good with saving money because that's all I really knew how to do. That's what I felt safe doing. And so I really had to like unlearn that that basically anything other than saving felt like a threat. That was my money story growing up. And then I obviously went to the work into the workforce, got my master's, two master's degrees, climbed the ladder, got the six-figure job. But then I took a risk and I quit my job in 2013 to solo travel. This was like after a divorce. I would say that I called this like an awakening, a healing. So I, I ended a marriage that I was in. I was in a 13-year relationship. I quit my job to solo travel and I was wanting to find myself. At, at the time, I, I didn't really know much about it except that I, I just needed to quit this job. But what happened then was like I wound up meeting my daughter's dad and getting married again and moving to London. And a year later, my marriage ended unexpectedly and I found out I was pregnant Like days later. My life Turned upside down in 2016 in every way possible. But like, since we're talking money today, my money story, like, it's almost like my worst fear happened because I went from living in a West London flat with my husband, with a 24 hour doorman, to being pregnant, (laughs) broke, mid divorce, and having to move back in with my parents and get on food stamps all in the year 2016. And I have other episodes where I, I talk more about that, but I had to just start over from there in full transparency like i had my parents to help me at a time that i don't know what i would have done otherwise but i had them as an option and i think so much of my past was like i'd never want to do that i would never want to move back in with my parents but like i had to take it so i rebuilt my savings and so i'm sharing this with you because these are moments that i revisit in my mind where i go oh my god i would never want to do that again i would never want to find myself there again i never want to be broke again i never want to have money again i never want to worry about paying my rent again because at the time the money that I needed help with was to pay my rent in London because I had to take over the lease and I couldn't afford the lease by myself. But after the divorce and it was me on my own, it just one thing after another, it just took me out financially. So I I share this with you because our money story is important. When we feel scarce, we will revisit past things and we'll say, I don't ever want to be in that situation again. It's valid and it totally makes sense, but that's also what puts us into survival mode of like, I never wanna be this way again. That was one of my moments in my money story that uh, my brain in the present goes back to and says, I never wanna be broke, pregnant, and on food stamps. I never wanna be dependent on anybody again. And so I rebuilt my savings from there. In 2019, I started to build my personal brand and my thought leadership online before kind of knowing I was gonna be a coach. I just knew I wanted to start a business. And so in February, 2020, I landed my first coaching client. And because of the savings that I built, I felt safe <laughs> to be able to say that, okay, if I can land three clients, I can land 30 clients, right? And so I literally quit my job the next month, which is kind of wild. And I would not would not suggest, but I also was still living at home at the time. So I felt safe to do that. Even though that year in 2020, I made six figures and I was able to move away from San Francisco with my daughter and move to Portland where cost of living was lower. I was taking this big financial risk of like, not having a job anymore, fun, You know, having a business, relying on my business income to pay rent, to pay daycare. In 2020 or 2021, rather, that was another pivotal part of my money story where I felt very scarce because it was a time where I was away from my family and I felt very overwhelmed in being a single parent and doing it all. And my mental health affected my ability to sell. I started to worry about like, what if I can't pay rent? What if I can't pay daycare? And I stopped getting coached to, quote unquote, save money. And basically, a lot of things felt like they were just crashing down. You know, like I went from closing most of my sales calls to maybe closing like 20%. I came out of that financial pinch through some of the things I'm going to share with you today. So that was another pivotal part of my money story of, oh my gosh, I'm worried about being able to pay rent in daycare. Like that's, I I don't want to be the 2021 version of me who like lost it. It felt like I lost what I had created, Right. And the more recent part of my money journey that I'll share with you is that as recently as the end of September, 2023, (laughs) I was feeling another big, big financial pinch, even though I made $333,000 last year in sales, right? So as of of the end of September, I was showing up to coaching calls in seven-figure wealth with Gina Knox (laughs) in tears because I was afraid I was going to run out of money. And the reason is because I was really feeling the financial pinch of like scaling my business. Scaling essentially requires that you are making less money in an offer that requires a lot of your time in exchange for you building like the team, the infrastructure, the marketing, all of that in order to sell a more scalable offer. So it's kind of this very vulnerable baton passing period where you are like saying no to a more for sure thing that requires a lot of your time in order to free yourself up for something that takes a lot of your time and a lot of money up front to free your time to serve more people and be able to make more income, right? But that is a very vulnerable time where you have to then lean into your reserves. That is just a part of business is you build reserves. You don't operate based on sales. Like that is a misconception. You are not supposed to have consistent sales. That is not how it works. This is not a paycheck. Your business operates on reserve. So the whole point is when you're selling, building up a reserve so that you're like I'm going to pay myself from it. So like your reserve's going down is a normal part of business. That's literally why they're there. And so I think for many of us including me, there's a number in my mind that when it goes below that number I start to freak out. And I think that like building my tolerance to that number going lower has been a, <laughs> that's been a really scary thing because my expenses are higher now, right? Like My overhead is higher now that I have a bigger team and a bigger business. My cost of living is double what it was when I lived in Portland. I'm now in San Francisco. And so I was like, if I don't bring in $13,000 a month, my reserves are going to go down. Like I have a $13,000 a month overhead between paying myself, paying my team, paying my overhead. And that doesn't even include coaching. That's literally just to be in business and to pay myself. I need to make that amount of money back in Portland, it was much less. (laughs) To say that I came a long way in feeling safe with money again is like a wild understatement because everything in me has been terrified of ever being broke and dependent on anyone ever again. Because I always have been someone who was like the one who made the most money in the relationship, the one who like money always was like my safety that's just been huge. And I know that this is going to continue to come up in my business, because even when you make more money, this is still going to come up. The fact that it came up for me this year, you would think, looking at my numbers, oh, Mariela would never worry about that. No. Yes, I did. Because <laughs> your expenses will go up and you're still going to have to make investments. You still have to pay your team, like all these things, right? You have to pay yourself. Like I, have to, I pay rent and like I live off of my, my business, right? And I have to pay myself a six-figure salary just to exist and live in San Francisco. Everything in me was just so afraid of like, I never wanted to be the pregnant food stamps version of me. And a huge part of my shift has been instead of saying like, I never want to be her again. I never want to be like the dependent, broke, pregnant food stamps version of me. I instead had to learn to be proud of her. Because until I realized that, If I could get here to have this business, to even be in this position of growing a business, even after going through all the things I've been through, even under all of the non-ideal circumstances that I have worked my way through, then I'm in a better position than ever to make more money than I ever have made, right? So it's like, if you have created what you have under non-ideal circumstances, imagine what you can create now that you are aware And you're giving yourself the support that you need. So with that, here are the steps that I have taken to strengthen my safety with money that has contributed to strengthening my money mindset and getting out of scarcity. 13 minutes into this episode, I had to preface it with my story because this isn't just me being like, you just gotta work on your money mindset. I'm like, y'all, I have had everything working against me. I mean, I know that's a thought, but I've had many things that I have had to work through, right? I don't have like a partner that also makes money, like all this, right? Like, so this is, I wanted to preface it with that. So how I have strengthened my safety with money and my relationship with money and worked through financial scarcity. Number one is when the feeling of scarcity and fear and graspy energy around money or not having enough comes up, I acknowledge the fear and I normalize it. Because it makes perfect sense that you would feel that way, right? So I realized that like my past self is just asking me, are we going to be safe? Are we going to be okay? And I have to talk back to that. Because when I don't answer it, then that version of me starts to freak out. It's like I have to be like, "Yes, we have options if this happens then this happens and here's here's the different things we have," right? So like I've had to be in dialogue with myself about whether I'm going to be okay. And I think that my past money story has really shown me that I have attached safety to money and all of that just makes sense. So acknowledge the fear and normalize it with yourself will just help you feel grounded to say, like, it's an alarm that's going to go off in your mind. It doesn't necessarily mean you're in imminent danger, but the alarm itself is normal. The next piece of this is making peace with my money past. This is important because. Being proud of past you is hard when you are in a position where you're trying to like, you know, you made decisions or things happened or you're like, I never want to be broke again, all of that. Oftentimes we're trying to run away from our own shame by applying financial pressure in the present. The version of you that doesn't ever want to be that version is going to not forgive herself or just be so scared to ever be that version again that it's actually like keeping you stuck. So making peace with my money past was important because I had a lot of thoughts about my relationship choices and how I was always the one like making more money or more financially stable and making peace with my money past and quitting my job and the risk of that. And I, ha- I could not outrun that. I'm not going to now put the pressure on myself to make up for the past. No, I did those. I made those choices because those that's the choice that I made at the time. And I'm, I'm here now and that's the only thing I can control. so. Make peace with my money past. The next is (laughs) making peace with my money present. This is hard because sometimes we'll say, No, but I am okay, but I really need this client to say yes, but I really need things to change in order for me to be okay. I know that that's easier said than done, but I really sit with the question of like finding sufficiency in the present. How am I safe right now? How am I okay? how am I not in danger? Like in the present moment, like truly looking at how I'm not in danger in the immediate present helps me think more clearly. And I think that doesn't even necessarily mean looking too far ahead. It's literally like, hey, my financial circumstances could wildly change in a short amount of time when I'm an entrepreneur. So how am I safe right now? How do I have more options than I'm giving myself credit for, which we'll talk about options in a minute. And that helps me think more clearly, which then allows me to take the next step, which is I look at the facts versus thoughts. And I will explain what I mean about when you're spinning out about money, you tend to have a lot of thoughts, but they're not facts. And let me explain. So these are thoughts. I'm not making enough. I need to make more. I'm gonna run out of money. I don't have enough leads, right? I hear this stuff. I've said this stuff, right? The difference is you can solve for facts because they're specific, but thoughts are vague. Thoughts will run rampant because they're not specific. And if they're not specific, they're not solvable. How do you solve the problem? I don't have enough leads. How do you solve the problem? I need to make more. How much more? For when? Are you going to run out of money? Like We really have to get specific with our money because otherwise you can't even come up with a plan for being okay. You're just going to say you don't have enough. So we have to get specific as CEOs about this, right? For instance, if you think you're not making enough, instead answer these questions. Number one, how much financial runway do I have? Meaning if you were to look at your reserves and you were to look at your savings, how much financial runway do you have if you weren't gonna make any sales? Are you actually gonna run out of money? And if you can't answer that question, that's part of the problem. Because if you can't answer that question, then you're just like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I need more. I'm gonna run out of money you can't solve for that. (laughs) You're just going to spin out. How much financial runway do I have? Other questions. These are facts. If you have the answers to these questions, these are facts. How much monthly recurring revenue is coming in in the next quarter? Sit down and look at your numbers. Another question. How much available credit do I have? Even though I know we don't want to use credit, we don't want to put stuff on cards, all this, but like just looking at it, just looking at it will help, right? (laughs) How much? if you had to, if it came down to like, you couldn't really couldn't pay your bills, how much available credit do you have? Most people don't know the answer to that question. That's something that I had to ask myself this year. For example, I looked at like how much Stripe financing do I have? So Stripe has a loan amount that they'll always allow you to borrow. If you go to your Stripe dashboard, it'll say like you're eligible for X amount. And basically you pay them back when you get payments. So they'll take X percent of, of the payments to pay back Stripe. So like I, at a certain point, was like, I don't even want to think about borrowing money. I don't even want to think about putting stuff on a card and not paying it off. I don't even want to think about it. So, we're going to talk about that, but asking yourself, how much available credit do I have? Another question is, what will my bank balances actually be at the end of each month, assuming no new sales will come in? I had to look at that because I was like, when I was sitting in the fear in September of I'm going to run out of money, I had to be like, am I actually going to run out of money? And I was telling myself that because of an investment that I was going to make, but I had to look and I was like, okay, yes, it's going to get really close where I'm going to run out of money in my reserves, in my bank account, not in my personal bank account, but I'm going to run out of money. But I was like, okay, so if I'm going to make this, this $25,000 investment in November for a, a coaching program that I'm part of, and I make it in full, then this is what my bank balance is going to be. It helped me make the decision to open up a new business credit card with 0% interest and split that investment into two so that my bank balance wasn't so low. But you see how like I had to get specific to be like, what do you mean you're gonna run out of money? By when, by how much do you need to make a decision in order for you to not run out of money? So I had to get specific with myself. That's the only way you can solve a problem, right? So that is that is the thing that I did. Another fact-based question you can ask yourself is, what other options do I have to make money in the next quarter outside of my business and how much could that bring in? This is another kicking and screaming thing that I had to work through and some of my clients where it's like, we don't even want to look at that as an option, but then you're showing up on coaching calls freaking out about money. And I'm like, what other options do we have? We have to give ourselves more options, right? So what other options do I have to make money in the next quarter outside of my business and how much could that bring in? You can still say no to that option. Doesn't mean that you're going to use that option. It just means you have to show yourself you have it. Another fact-based, more specific question that I have asked myself or my clients have asked themselves is what low-hanging fruit opportunities are right in front of me that I either haven't taken advantage of or I'm not even thinking about. All the thoughts that you're having, I don't have enough, da-da-da-da-da. What are the facts? Look at the facts, not your thoughts. That is what you can solve for. The next part is from there, you can come up with more useful options. When I'm working through this, I have to give myself as many options as possible in order to create safety. Because when you take options off the table, you spin out more and you stop problem solving and you get even more attached to things in the present. And that totally spins you out from even solving the problem. My money coach, Gina, taught me this. She said, it's like you have this big buffet of options and you're hungry, but you're telling yourself you only wanna solve your hunger with the vegetables because if you chose one of the other options on the table, it would mean you were fa- that you failed. And my options that I wanted to keep off the table was like a credit card that I wasn't gonna pay off and like a loan, right? In 2021, the option that I did- wanted to not have on the table was what if I had to get a part-time job? But when I gave myself the option, just the mere presence and the acceptance of that option helped me feel safe for me to solve the problem, because that's what you need. You need clarity and in a sense of immediate safety for you to take the actions that you need to take to actually solve your problem, which is creating revenue. Here are some options that my clients and I have specifically come up with once they have expanded their options of of how can they make money and p- making peace with what are other ways I could make money, and when they have gotten specific about their money situation of like it, how much money do I need am i actually going to run out of it what's my financial runway like getting specific so these are the useful solutions that i and my clients have come up with from that space offering a pay in full incentive to current clients who are on a payment plan in order to bump up revenue in the short term another solution open a zero interest business credit card to fund an upcoming one-time expense in order to provide a bit of breathing room. That is another option. I actually did this in November. Another solution, reach back out to people they had discovery calls with earlier this year who weren't ready. One of my clients did this (laughs) and she made $10,000 in one week. She was freaking out about money. She did that she brought in 10K in one week because she gave herself more options and and started to be like, wait a minute, how could I make more money? Another option that a client of mine did, reach back out to friends who wanted to put you in touch with their organization about a speaking opportunity or in-house coaching and you haven't responded to them. Like you'll be surprised how often people have untapped opportunities they haven't even freaking followed up on because they're freaking out about money. So it's wild. Like you could be freaking out about money and also there's options and you're like, I can't even see them because I'm freaking out. All of this, like I said, helps us see that we have more options and just that on its own has created more of a sense of safety for me to actually solve the problem. So scarcity puts us in survival mode. It prohibits you from seeing the options that you have clearly. It prevents you from problem solving. And that is when even simple things, simple things feel impossible to solve. And I've sat with my clients when they've spun out. And because I have sat with myself continuously, I am able to not spin out with them from there i am able to take more revenue generating actions from a more neutral place for example this has helped me make the investments that i need to make like investing in a $25,000 mastermind at the beginning of november which was before my launch not knowing how my launch was going to turn out <laughs> right or investing almost 25k in my rebrand if i include photography styling clothes location all the things in my rebrand during q3 When in Q3, my sales were lower than they had ever been in the history of my business because I stopped selling one-on-one. But I had to continue on with what I knew my business needed. I couldn't be like, well, I didn't make as much money this quarter, so now I can't invest in the things that I know my business needs. I can't do that, (laughs) right? So in Q3, I also hired a podcast manager that same quarter. So that was another investment every month, but I knew what was going to help me generate more revenue. So I had to really sit with all of the lessons that I learned to be like, It's okay. What does my money look like? I trust that these investments that I'm making, I know that these investments that I'm making are part of what is going to allow me to make more money. And the results were this. I will share this with you of being able to ride out the pinch, right? It's how I ended up going from making 70K in the first 10 months of 2021. So 70K in the first 10 months of 2021 and making 80K in the last two months. I'll say that again. It's how I wound up from going from 70K in the first 10 months of 2021 and 80K. So more than that in the last two months, that was the financial pinch and where I was like crushing my own opportunities to actually bring in more money because I was spinning out financially. It is also how I went from making 12K in Q3, that was the lowest revenue quarter I've ever had in my business, but it was on purpose because I stopped selling one-on-one. And I know some of y'all will be like, well, mine isn't on purpose. But I've also sat in where I thought it wasn't in my control, right? 12K in Q3, because I I had to stop selling one-on-one because I had other things to focus on, the rebrand, the podcast launch, getting my clients better results in reclamation, planning for the launch. 12K in Q3 to 215K in Q4. 12K in Q3 to 215 k in Q4. I made big investments in Q3. I sat with my money stuff. I cried on calls thinking, oh my God, I'm going to run out of money for sure. I had to expand my options. I had to put things on the table. I didn't want to be on the table. I had to remind myself, Mariela, you have made money before. Your ability is only stronger than ever. You're going to be okay. Continue to do the things you need to do in your business. I knew this, like revenue and business is not meant to be the same each month. It's about how we manage the money itself and how we manage our minds around it. I'll close out with this because this has really just helped me anchor in and I'm gonna explain to you how this is true. One huge realization that I have come to in my journey with money and in being an entrepreneur and scaling my business is, and if you're an entrepreneur, this is true for you, I had to remind myself that I have always been the creator of money, always, even in the workforce. You can trace every dollar you have ever earned in your entire life to a process that created it. It's just that we are accustomed to the process of making money in the workforce, so we don't think we are the creator. We think someone's giving it to us. But here's the thing. Even in the workforce, you just figured out how to monetize your skills and your experience. That's all. You have skills. You have experience. Someone's willing to pay you. A company is willing to pay you, right? In business, you have skills and experience and clients are willing to pay you. Business is no different. The difference is that in the workforce, the way that you monetize your skills and experience and how much it's worth is determined by someone else. It's determined by the market. It's determined by capitalism. It's determined by a company. But in entrepreneurship, you decide the value, right? And the difference is in the workforce, you market your experience through a resume. You solve problems for a business and they pay you because you help the company make money. That's literally the only reason any company pays you. Even if you're not in sales, even if you're not in marketing, even if you're in, in HR, whatever that is, they wouldn't pay you if you didn't have skills and expertise that helped the company make money. And you market your skills and expertise through a resume, through LinkedIn through interviews which is much like a sales conversation right when you think about it you're like okay you have something that i want you have something that i need well, how could this work is there going to be an exchange of money happening and you get good at interviews just the same way that you get good at running discovery calls and figuring out like is this going to you know is this going to be a good fit but we forget that it's almost like we go into our business and we act like oh my god like this is the whole thing like other people are in control of my money and how much i can make but really it's not you already Know how to monetize your skills and experience. You already know how to be in job interviews. You already know how to market yourself through LinkedIn and through resumes and through networking and all the different things. It's the same in your business, only you get to determine how much you're charging, what you're selling, what's on the table and what's off the table. Because now, instead of marketing yourself through a resume and a LinkedIn, you're marketing yourself through a website and your Instagram. And instead of networking at an event, you're networking at events in real life. Instead of job interviews, you're having sales conversations. I think it's like recognizing you actually have a lot of transferable skills when it comes to making money. We just forget that because we think that because a company isn't giving us a check, that like somehow we aren't the creators anymore, even though we have so much say and so much control over that. And I really had to look at how am I not actually starting from step zero How was in the same way that I was negotiating pay rises, the same way that I was, you know, getting jobs and marketing myself and looking at like, how do I want to lead with my highest level skill set? How do I want to celebrate my wins? Like instead of just what I did, one of the things I learned was like, what is, what are the results that I helped a company achieve? It's the same thing with like client wins, right? We still market ourselves in the workforce the same way that we market ourselves in our business. And even just to sit with that thought to say, I know more than I think I know. I have skill sets that are transferable. If I were putting on my like employee hat, what opportunities am I not taking right now to just market my skills and experience and, and help people see the problem that I can solve because that is where the exchange of money happens. I have always been the creator of money. I want you to borrow that belief, even if you don't believe it right now. But like, I want you to seek evidence and look at evidence of how that has been true. No one has ever paid you unless you have helped them solve a problem. Which has facilitated that company making money. That's literally the only reason any company pays anybody. This has just been all part of me getting to a place where I feel more secure in my ability to create money than in like a company paying me. And obviously, some months is harder to believe that than others, but like it's continued to show me over time that this is the path for me to be able to receive more because receiving more means sitting in these moments of uncertainty, in continuing to make the investments that I need and that my business needs in order to grow without cutting off the lifeline, with getting resourceful and creative, with looking at my numbers versus avoiding them. Because that's what I did for a long time was like, I don't want to look at my numbers because I was scared or ashamed. So now it's like I've had to develop this very intimate relationship with money where I am looking at it I'm sitting with it. I'm being compassionate to past versions of me. I'm proud of her for getting us here. I'm proud of the version of me that saved $525 as a child to help my parents. But I realized like I also don't need to save every single dollar. Part of growing is also not clinging on to every dollar as if like you're not going to make more. So this has really just been really pivotal. And I wanted to share this with you because I know how like, this is really hard and it spins a lot of people out so like a big part like i said of of growing your business is really shifting that sense of safety from external to other factors and other people control it to i know what affects it and i'm going to focus on those things i hope that this was helpful and that you saw yourself in part of it and that maybe there was a part that really spoke to you where you're just like gosh you know like that's really happening to me right now what do i need so I hope that you're able to take some parts of this and either not feel alone <laughs> to feel more hopeful to know that this is normal. Many of the things that you are, you know, working through cuz every single entrepreneur, everybody has to sit with this. It doesn't matter even at the seven-figure business level, you're having to make bigger expenditures and listen to alarms go off in your head and say it's okay. You know, I'm sitting with this now with a live event that I'm throwing in Mexico that is, you know, a large expenditure. And my my overhead and my team expenses are higher than they've ever been. But I also have more support than I've ever had. And it really is like I'm calling in that, that sense of safety and support. And that's all you're doing every stage of business. Even when things go quote unquote wrong, all that's doing is building up your sense of security and self-trust with yourself. And that's why it's important to have mentors and spaces where you can talk about these things with a mentor that's gone through it personally, which is why I think like I felt different being in rooms where challenges and growing up poor and all of that was or having children and all of this was taken into consideration because it really does it amplifies how bigger some of these things feel in our mind and that's why i'm able to hold space for my clients as they you know through this because of the same thing but i also recommend being in programs too that there are also like amazing programs that are really specifically focused on money and money mindset and all of that, which I actually think are really valuable and essential in growing your business. So I think that that's also something I encourage you all to like look into in addition to being in a community or working with a coach who also has gone through that journey themselves and is able to help you navigate it. That's it, y'all. I'd love to hear what part of this episode really maybe you saw yourself in. Screenshot, share. If you love today's episode, please, please, please. It would help me so much if you gave it a five-star review. So more people can find it. That's it. I hope this is helpful and I will see y'all in the next episode. Now, if you have listened to this entire episode and you are thinking about working with me as your one-on-one mentor for six months, you can learn more and apply at marielladalamora.com. There, you'll find dozens of client success stories, from business to leadership coaching, which will give you an idea of what you can expect, the range of clients I work with, and my coaching style.